Hi, and you're very welcome to the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. My name is Bertrand Early. It's episode 11, and I'm joined once again by Maeve de Burke to run over all of the results of last weekend and preview what's coming up over the next weekend as well. Maeve, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me again, Bertrand. It's great to have you back. We're seeing lots of you on the, the podcast over the last few weeks. Um, in terms, probably more than we would have if you were playing in the actual league yourself. You're spending more time on the show. Um, did you get a chance to watch any games over the weekend? Anything take your fancy? Yeah, I watched uh, well, I watched the highlights and the goals of um, all the games. Uh, obviously, with Galway not playing, I wasn't as, as glued to the uh, live stream as I normally would be. But um, yeah, there was a lot of, lot of good quality goals all the same. Yeah, you took a weekend off, the same as the the Galway girls. Uh, let's take a run through the games because I know we've we've kind of looked through the the highlights of the of the weekend and what's happened. But let's actually start with the the continued league leaders, Piedmont United, in action. Uh, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, uh, in Green Oak, they had Athlone Town uh, as their visitors, and. The funny thing was, there's two Leitrim players. I'm from Leitrim, obviously. There's two Leitrim players in the league. And for me, I thought the funniest thing was within five seconds, they'd never faced each other before just because it's uh, Murren's first year in the league. And within five seconds, a massive collision. The two of them just decided, We're, I'm challenging for that ball. Um, great to see the fighting spirit. Uh, but it was Piemont, I suppose, that had the last laugh. Uh, Murren might have won the, the header that time, but it was actually Dervla and Piemont that had the last left. They ran out 6-0 winners, fairly comfortable in the end. But at the same time, uh, some green shoots there for Athlone, very solid for the first maybe 50, 60 minutes before the, the wheels kind of came off uh, when Sive Doyle got her second goal just after the, the, the halftime break. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said there, Atlone would have been pleased to, suppose, to go in a half-time, only 1-0 down. And, you know, on the flip side, then p would have been very happy with the second half and how they were so clinical. But it was great, um, like I mentioned previously, just to see Side as well doing well because she um, obviously moved up to p from Galway last year and um, she's been given an opportunity in the last couple of games. I think she's pushed uh, further forward now as well. And um, it was great to see her on the score sheet again twice. Um, the last week so um, I think like that it was a dominant display really from P-Mount and alone could only hold them for so long until um, it was inevitable really um, that P-Mount ran out the winners Yeah I suppose we're well used to, to big names at P-Mount uh, particularly in the attacking areas of the field we know, we know Steph we've had Anya on the show but also over the years Amber Barrett Sarah Lawler they've always had players who could find the back of the net tell us a bit about Sive because Sive might not be as well known as the other girls um, you've obviously played with her in Galway uh, what's your assessment of, of where she might take her career? She's just a quality player really I actually coached her as well which makes me feel quite so old for a couple of years you're taking credit for her being so good then, No, eh? no, no. She, she was uh, born with so much natural talent. I don't think she needed to be coached that much. And it was only only for a short spell I was um, helping out. But uh, she just, I mean, with under-19s, she actually played defensive role. She played uh, centre-back, um, you know, with, well, like they used to play three at the back. And she played um, predominantly most for underage career um, as a defender with the, the Irish team. But... For us with Galway, she normally played as the link-up player as number 10 and, you know, at times up front as well. But she's always very creative. And I think sometimes when you see her at the back, it's nearly, um, you almost think it's a waste because she has so much talent, um, you know, in the final third of the pitch. Obviously, in the last couple of games with P-Mount, 
Um, that's been displayed by her as well, um, her attack and prowess going forward. Yeah, I suppose uh, looking down through the, the score sheet, uh, it was probably around that hour mark when Pima kind of cut loose uh, Tegan Ruddy on 65 minutes and then Megan Smith-Lynch and Anya Gorman two more over the next five or six minutes in the game. It was never really in doubt once the second goal went in, but I think Pima, they just have that clinical edge. Of course, late goal from the sub, Orla Fitzpatrick as well, rounded it off 6-0. Is it scary that... Over the last two weekends, Piemont have, have rotated their squad substantially. There's a lot of players who maybe wouldn't have had as much game time up to this. Uh, the likes of Della Doherty breaking into that team. Sive, you mentioned. Uh, a few others in there as well who wouldn't be necessarily automatic starters in that team. And yet they're still going out and really putting teams to the sword. Definitely. I mean, also you can add uh, Tegan and Dor to that who wouldn't have been starters before the season, but obviously it can be starters in their own right. They're both quality players. So I think, to be honest, at this stage now, um, James and Vinny will have an awful difficult job, I think, to decide on their starting 11 and, you know, who they feel will be the best starting 11 on a particular day. But obviously that's a great luxury to have. And maybe depending on the opposition they're up against, and they might feel that uh, different players are... Um, more worthy to start and um, like we mentioned previously as well you know the goalkeepers with um, Nisha has been performing very well in the last couple of games as well so it's yeah difficult decisions for the management but sure that's the, the decisions I suppose the management or the headaches that they want to have um, in every in every game really. Yeah two quality goalkeepers as you mentioned I, I feel almost a bit on um, it's slightly unfair almost on, on both of them in that uh, they're going to end up, they've both got two clean sheets. Um, Neve has two clean sheets from the two games she's played. And Nisha has, I think, two from, I'm not quite sure many games they've played. They both have two clean sheets, but um, I think Nisha might have played an extra game. But they, they've they've almost kind of, they could be deprived. I think last year they were deprived of actually potentially challenging for the, the Golden Gloves, if you want to call it, because they split the games between them. Um, and they maybe don't get the credit they deserve within the league because when you look at the list at the end of the year, they're third and fourth rather than maybe one of them been out first, if that makes sense. Definitely. I mean, it, I suppose it must be a slightly frustrating maybe, but at the same time, you know, we always hear of goalkeeper units and that. And I think often uh, goalkeepers, when they're training together, um, you know, it's just the nature of the position that um, I think they often do have good relationships between them, you know, good working relationships because they they go through I suppose things that the rest of the team don't go through when you see the training often you know for a training looking over at the keepers you just you'd have to question why sometimes they put themselves through it um but I think you know I think they probably like I said they work so well together and I think they're bringing out the best in each other really because they both know that they have to perform you know at 100% um in every game or you know or they lose their starting spot and I think that can't be said about uh, most of the other teams in the league. While they have, um, you know, they probably do have competition um, uh, between the posts. I don't think they would have it up as the same level as PMAT. Yeah, they can't re- you can't really beat that competitive uh, nature of, of knowing you have to stay ahead of someone who's every bit as good as you. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. As you said, it's a good problem for the management that PMAT to have. Shells, of course, keeping in pace uh, with them. They find themselves now on 12 points. After five games, Wexford, of course, in second place. We'll start with Shells. They uh, made the trip down to Limerick to face Treaty on Sunday afternoon. Um, result never really in doubt. Two early goals in, in the first half. Um, they had Noel Murray got the first 
well worked move involving a dummy with uh, Saoirse Noonan and then a penalty Noel Murray dubious enough about whether it was in the penalty box or not Treaty say no Shell's quite happy to take and convert the spot kick from there on in given the form coming in Treaty were never really going to get back into that game three second half goals killed it 5-0 the final score um, Jess Stapleton getting her first goal of her senior career that's a nice little uh, cherry on the top of the performance for her I suppose for sure, yeah, she's been a player I think that's really impressed this season. She's slotted in beside Pearl at centre-back and I think she's shown a lot of maturity um, just given how young that she is. I think it was great to see her. Um, yeah, it was a very good header from um, Noelle that put the ball in from the corner. And I think, I mean, while like while we have the, the youth of, say, Jesse there and, you know, you also have like that Noelle who's been around the block now and, you know, she's still contributing a lot. Like she got um, the two goals and like I said, she... She put the corner in as well. So um, I think, you know, they have the right blend there um, at Shells at the moment. And like you had mentioned there as well, um, Saoirse Noonan's dummy, I thought, for the, the goal um, was really good as well. Just shows a lot of creativity and and that side as well. So I think, um, yeah, dominant display by Shells. And, and like you had said, it wasn't really in doubt uh, once they got the first goal. Yeah, I've really enjoyed watching Shells play. They really do have a really nice style. I think we've said that on the show ad nauseum, but um, they really are probably my favourite side to watch in the league. Um, interesting to see how that works out for them as the, the season progresses. Of course, we mentioned in second place in the league table after the weekend's action is, of course, Wexford. They have one game further played than everybody else. They've played six. Uh, everyone else around them has played five. Uh, they have uh, two goals from Abin Clancy, one after a quarter of an hour, one just after halftime from Sinead Taylor and then a late uh, goal from Avian Clancy. Uh, Sarah McKevitt, her first goal for Cork after her move from Piedmont in the closed season. Uh, they'd be happy enough. Results, get out of Cork, three points in the bag, keep the pressure on the top, well, the, the two sides around them at the top of the table. For sure. I mean, Cork is a really difficult place um, to go. And like I was saying last week, I thought that, um, you know, Cork had a really good chance of getting a result against Wexford and, you know, obviously just Wexford's experience showed on the day and, um, you know, uh, so it was just like Jess Stapleton at, at, at um, Shells. So it was great to see as well. Aileen Clancy, another young uh, up-and-coming player, um, really dominate and, you know, get get her name on the score sheet twice as well. So, you know, it's it's really testament to Wexford who are, like we, we had mentioned, they are probably the oldest I would imagine squad in the league and um, but then they also have those um quality players that we always I suppose um, would be mentioning Malloy in that category and you know Clancy has just showed as well that she's right up there been able to you know um do well against um all, all the teams in the league. And I suppose it does uh, need to be mentioned as well Sinead Taylor on the show last week on the score sheet this weekend uh, that seems to be a recurring theme over the last couple of weeks, I know Jess Gleason scored the week after we had her on, and it's not it's not once off. So maybe a message to, to players: maybe you need to come and have a chat with us and get on the show, and you'll be guaranteed to score next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're always happy to hear from players and clubs who want to get a, a little bit of a profile and obviously the associated glory when they score uh, in the next game. At the final game of the weekend, DLR Waves in Belfield Bowl, Bohemians Dublin Derby of sorts. Uh, not the one I suppose we're traditionally used to talking about in the Women's National League. But for me, it was the, the game of the weekend. It was probably the two most evenly matched pairings coming into the weekend. And it probably played out that way as well. 1-0, controversial just before halftime. Uh, a long-range effort or long-range cross maybe from Shauna Carroll. Uh, 
what happened after that it's kind of up to everyone's kind of own interpretation of it uh, ended up with the everybody getting bundled across the line and the the goal being given um was it a free out was it a goal the ref gave a goal that's kind of all that matters that's it exactly uh, unfortunately from a goals um perspective it was one nil and um no points and obviously from dlr's massive result to be able to I suppose have another three points to add to their tally um like we've we've been mentioning numerous times they are you know really um, pushing on this season and you know these results although on paper yeah one nil might seem great it's really it is the three points that matters at this stage of the season and they're starting to break away you can see now a little bit in the league table they are pulling away from up towards the, for the top half of the league and I think Bose will be incredibly disappointed not to have gotten anything out of, out of the game because they really put in a great performance the weekend yeah the league table is really beginning to take shape and I suppose uh, we're in that we've spoken about it before but we're in that situation where some teams have played five and some teams have played six so we'll just take a quick run down through the, the league table payment on top five games played 15 points Wexford in second place 13 points from there six uh, fixtures played so far shells 12 from five dlr also 10 uh, sorry 10 from also five should i say galway women's fc eight points from their five games cork five from six and then bows four and athlone two from their five games while treaty adrift at the moment two points from their opening six games uh, i do like that that there are positive results there for everybody and at least two like there's nobody been completely left at the bottom but you can see that kind of gap starting to appear a little bit i think um possibly even two or three divisions within the the division itself you've got Piedmont, wexford shells traditionally the strongest three teams in recent years anyway they're starting to pull away a little bit deal or galway and even to a lesser extent bows given the game in hand probably the next three with cork athlone and treaty uh, a little bit behind that cork might not be happy to be in that that grouping but but i suppose the results so far and the the goal difference in particular would indicate that that's probably where they sit in the league table at the moment yeah, i think like you mentioned there cork would probably be the ones who are most disappointed with how the league table is currently standing and rightly so i think they have had like um you know they've had like I, i've I've mentioned again a lot of times that their performances have been good, but their results just haven't matched it at all. So I think, you know, because the league is so long, it does give a team's ample opportunity to, to make sure that at the end of the season, when the league table is, is finally done and over, that where they um, are standing in the table is where they deserve to be. And, you know, they always say at the end of the season, the league table never lies. And that's obviously true here. Your um your position at the end of the the season is where you really is where your performances have put you. So I think um going and DLR, I think the next few weeks is going to be vital to see can they push that into a top five or is it going to end up the same old story as other seasons where it's just a top three standing on their own by the end of the season or even by the midpoint of the season. And I think it all will be a lot clearer after you know the first full. Uh, round of games is complete because then at least all teams will have even games played and everyone will have a, have played each other once. I think it'll be a, a bit clearer then and we'll be able to assess it maybe even a bit more. I have to say though, because it feels like I'm just negging on Cork every single week. That's not the case at all. I think I've been very impressed by some of their individual performances so far. Becky Casson looks solid in the, in the middle of the field. She's involved in everything good they do. Um, also, the, the youngsters, Abby McCarthy, 
Eva Mangan, Kelly Lee have impressed me. Sarah McEvitt's looked decent. She got in the score sheet last week, and but she's looked lively and kind of our uh, Lauren Ogbonlu on the the right wing as well has been a threat in every game I've seen her play. So I think it's going to click for Cork, and when it does, I think they're going to start picking up points from the teams all around them. And I can see them really challenging uh, DLR, Galway, and being part of that. And and Bowes, I think that's going to be that kind of middle ground. And any one of them, if they get their act, if it really clicks and they get their act together, I think could push on and challenge Wexford and maybe the other two as well um, for that maybe fourth and third spot. I think it's definitely within reach for some of those clubs. And I think they'll believe it. And I think if they believe it, they can go on and achieve it. In terms of uh, the actual show, that's the results from last weekend. I know we'll talk about the fixtures later on, but let's have a chat with some of our guests. Now, on the show over the last couple of weeks, we have talked about the under-19 league, but we haven't really scratched at the surface of what that is and what it means for the players in the league. We all know about the 17s that came on stream back in 2018 to fit alongside the senior sides, but for the first time this year, we're going to have a grade between those two. Under-19, and to join us to talk about that, is former senior manager winning league-winning manager, Laura Heffernan, who won the league with Wexford. She was under-17 manager at Shelburne for the last couple of seasons, and this time she takes up the reins with DLR Waves in the under-19 league for this season ahead. Laura, you're very, very welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's our pleasure to have you here. Maybe let's talk about yourself first before we get into the actual project, because I think from the introduction, uh, you've been around the league, you're well-experienced, you've had success uh, virtually everywhere you go. Um, Let's maybe talk about the time at Wexford and I suppose how that came about and your time down there uh, resulted in in that league win, uh, which I'm sure you're very happy to, to look back on. Yeah, look at, I mean, to to be involved with, with my hometown club and obviously represent Wexford in the league and at a European stage as well. You know, it was very, it was a very proud time for me. Um, went went in there as a player at the start of the National League, played two seasons for John Flood. And from there, when when John stepped down and the new manager came in, um, I, happened, I happened to work with Will on a few FAI programmes. And uh, I was still a player at the time, technically, but kind of went in as a player coach role. Didn't last very long. Obviously, it's a it's a very hard thing to juggle doing both. So, decided to focus on the coaching side of things. And yeah, we had we had two really successful seasons, a couple of league titles and the FAI Cup. Um, I kind of stepped away. Then I went to America for a year, and when I came back, went back to Wexford then for another season in 2017, and we won the title there that that season as well. So. Yeah, because I suppose when you think about it now, obviously we we know Wexford as a, as a team that have challenged at the top of the league for the last. <clears throat> decade or so really from the start they've been competitive but uh, in in the grand scheme of things when you look at soccer in the country you don't expect Wexford to compete how much harder given now your experience with the, the sides in the capital whether it's Shells or DLR how much harder is it to be competitive with a regional team with a team from the provinces uh, I think at the start of the league we, we were a very different type of team obviously you know your Rahinis and you know, those Dublin teams, technically excellent, you know, very, very good footballers. Um, and we, we had we had good footballers in Wexford, no, you know, no doubt, but we probably just weren't at that same level. And, you know, we had to build a bit of a, a foundation down there before we could start really competing and winning games. So it was just about making ourselves hard to beat and coming together as, as a team more because a lot of other teams would have been, I suppose, club teams, whereas we were we were a new team that was that was put together for the National League. So you know, it took a couple of a couple of seasons for that to gel. Um, obviously the the coaches and the management that were there for those two seasons done 
done a fantastic job, you know, getting to that level where in the third season, you know, we were ready to start competing for, for trophies. Yeah, and of course, um, it's, it's just over the years, Wexford have just grown and grown and grown through that. Your time down there finished, as you mentioned, in 2017. You made the move to Shells. Why would, and I'm just asking this in general, why would a, a National League winning manager look to go in as the under-17 coach in a brand new group of girls that she's not familiar with? What was the attraction to that particular role at the time? Um, obviously, you know, things just didn't work out in 2017 in Wexford for various reasons. And it was it was a fresh start for me just to, to try something different. Um, I'd always kind of been involved in Wexford with, with Gainer Cup squads and those underage teams as well. So, you know, I enjoyed that that kind of age group and um, developing players and trying to help players step on to the next level. There would have been a lot of those Wexford Gainer Cup players that went on to play National League. And for me, it was just, it was a, it was a new challenge and especially going up to Dublin, like I said, it's, it's a little bit of a different culture than, than what I would have been used to in Wexford. So for me as a coach, it was, it was a new challenge that I just, I just thought it'd be good for me to help develop as well. Yeah. And that, that Shells on the 17 side was jam packed full of players that were quite familiar with from the, the National League. And now Emily Whelan was in that team. Rebecca Cook, who I think has moved to the States on a scholarship, yeah. was in that team. Mia Dodd, was she in that squad too? She was, yeah, yeah. And Courtney Maguire in goals. It was just, it was it was a really impressive team. I know we faced you twice. Uh, when, when I was involved with Sligo, we, we went to Talker Park. I think you beat us 2-1 and you beat us 1-0 down yeah, in, yeah. in Sligo as well. Uh, you just had that edge on us. Like we were kind of, the, the analogy you talked about with Wexford, we kind of had to, try and put up with the technical skill that was coming out of that team at the time. And you were just really, really impressive, really nice to watch, as most Shells teams are. Um, you spent three years there. What were the highlights for you with that group of players as, as they moved through to the senior side? Obviously, the first season to to win the league was was fantastic. And it was something I always said to the girls that, you know, treasure any national league, whatever age group it's at, because you, you don't know when the next one might come along. Um you know, young players, when, when they're successful, they think this is great, it might last forever, but as, as it progresses to, to win trophies is very difficult. So it was the one thing I said to them after that first season was to to enjoy it and, you know, have pride in what they had done because it's, it's not always easy to carry that forward. But for me to see to see all those girls, like you mentioned, Emily and uh, Jess who played a couple of games for us in, in that, that season, um, Olida Griffin, Nicole Kehoe, they're all with DLR now playing senior football. So that's that's the biggest thing for me is that all of those girls have have progressed on and they're playing in the senior league now and and doing their jobs for for whatever team they're with. Yeah, which of course brings us nicely to the under nineteen grade. Now, I think we've all kind of anyone who's been following the league over the last three or four years since that under seventeen grade came in can see the gulf between under seventeen and senior and the players who've come through really some of them come in ready but very very few um, and they're just missing that little bit of extra added experience or um, just that step between the two grades. The arrival of the under-19s, I know it was talked about maybe a year or two ago. It didn't happen just maybe to, through a lack of interest. It looks like it's going to go ahead this year. and uh, It's all set up to go. Uh, what do we know about actual specifics? Have the FAI come out with any uh, hard and fast um, information on who's going to be involved, what the format of it is going to be? At the moment, uh, we don't have any any kind of start dates or anything like that. We actually went back training last night for the first time. So um, I think I think just to see the smiles on the girls' faces instead of looking at us on Zoom calls and doing their own running and stuff like that. So it was fantastic just to get them back on the pitch. Uh, from what I'm aware, it's kind of towards the end of June maybe that we might be back playing competitive games. The format, again, we're, we're assuming it'll be similar to the 17s uh, setup. Um, I think personally... 
you know, I don't think it was a lack of interest a couple of years ago. I think it might have just been a little bit too early. Um, if we if we had a went that I think that first or second season, maybe that pool of players might not have been there. Um, whereas now, you know, we've had two years of that 17s age group. All of those players are now looking to keep playing football at a national league level. And like you said, it it takes a a very good you know a special player to come through and break straight into a first team. And so yeah, so the likes of the likes of Emily Whelan and them, you know, they're they're phenomenal players and. To be able to break straight into a first team, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, it doesn't happen very often. You, maybe the likes of Ella Malloy, obviously Emily, and a couple of others, to go in and play a regular first team football, it's it's very difficult. So I think the 19s league now will be brilliant for those girls to to be able to progress at maybe a little bit of a slower pace where there's there's not as much kind of weight on their shoulders to go into first team football. Of course, DLR Waves intrinsically linked with the UCD, even if they've dropped the UCD from their name, and um, they're based there. Where are DLR Waves on the 19s going to be playing? Are you in UCD as well? Uh, yeah, we're training in UCD. Um, games they, they might you know move around a, a little bit just based on availability of pitches and things like that. But yeah, hopefully we we will get to play a couple of games in the bowl. Obviously, it's a, a fantastic venue and it'll be a great experience for the girls to to get some football in there. Yeah, it's one of my favourite venues. I just like how it's stand on one side and then just nature almost around it. In terms of, I suppose, the, the link with the university itself, though, is there still a link up with the college side, with the scholarship programme? Can your age group in particular avail of that? Or, or is that something that's reserved maybe for the senior players within the club? Yeah, I think I think obviously there's um, there's ongoing talks just in relation to that partnership. Um, you know, obviously it's not something I know a whole lot about at the moment, having just come into the club, but... I do know that there is there are strong links there, even if it's not an official one at the moment. Um, so yeah, hopefully that can keep progressing. I think for the league itself to have those links with the colleges, universities is it's vital just to, I suppose, to give those players more of a reason to to stay in in the country and stay with their national league clubs that they have that education kind of link there. Um, you know, it's it's not a pet hate for me, but it does disappoint me to see so many you know really really good players leave the country, whether it's for American scholarships or you know, whatever. So, you know, to, to grow those links and, and have new avenues for those girls would be fantastic. Yeah, and of course yourself, uh, as you mentioned, you were a former player in the league in the early days, moved into coaching. In terms of, I suppose, the, the makeup of the coaching fraternity within the league, and I use the word fraternity because it is very much a, a male-dominated field, only a handful of female coaches across the league. Um, what's your own experience of, of being a woman in the, the the league and, and coaching in the league and, and how you're treated by the the players and the opposing staff, I suppose. Um, it's it's had its ups and downs over the years. Um, there's no there's no point in saying any different. Sometimes, you know, you do get you do get some comments even still from you know from either sidelines or or whatnot. But it's something that I've learned to deal with a lot better. I think four or five years ago, you tend to take everything to heart and you know everything that goes against you. You kind of tend to take it personally but I suppose that comes with age as well I'm um, a little bit older that you just learn to deal with these things it's, it is what it is it is getting better um you know it's it's few and far between you know those those difficult moments but you know it's especially at DLR just with Graham and John and you know everybody involved in the club they're they're so focused on you know just getting good people in whether it's male or female it doesn't matter they just they just want to create a good environment for for coaches in general yeah, in terms of, I suppose, um, that it's culture, it's, it's important. Respect, yeah. It's important to see, um, I suppose, role models, and, and you're doing that. I know Mary Curtin is doing a similar role <clears throat> as the assistant manager down in in 
Treaty was one of the coaches in the first team staff in Treaty, and there's a few other females dotted around the league as well, actively on the coaching scene. Um, I suppose in terms of the, the higher profile one, Lisa Fallon with Galway United men's side, uh, would that be an ambition or is, is there an ability to cross over from the women's league to the men's league is easy? Because Lisa, for example, never really coached in the women's national league here. She was in the League of Ireland with Cork or with Michael O'Neill in Northern Ireland before she moved into the British system yeah. for women's football? Look, I mean, you can never say never. Um, I don't know if it's something if it's something I'd, I'd like to do personally. Um, I just, you know, I've always felt that um, being involved with the Women's National League from the start, seeing that grow and helping that progress in any way that I can over the last 10, 11 years, it's, it's been a focus for me. And to see where it's, where it's at this year compared to the first year, even in terms of... Um, you know, promotion and, you know, the support from the FAI and the new sponsors and everything like that. That's that's fantastic for me to see the quality of players. The the difference in the teams now has, you know, it's really, it's it's so much better. Every game is now competitive, you know, so to see that over the last 10 years is, is fantastic and it's kind of, I suppose, a passion of mine. Um, Lisa's done a phenomenal job. Uh, obviously, she's very respected uh, within the men's game, so... I think for anyone who who wants to do that, I don't see why not. Um, would it be for me? I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, and in terms, I suppose, of the, the year ahead, how much can you prepare for a league that hasn't existed before? The player pool is a little bit disrupted because some have maybe dropped out of the game or chosen other sports. Some have moved on to senior squads. So teams that might have been strong at under 17, say two years ago, might not have the same pool of players to pick from this this time around. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of underage football, I suppose. Um, you know, Galway obviously were were extremely strong in the first season. There's a lot of those players now have stepped up and you know they're playing they're playing senior football. I think it's great to see to see that progression. But like you said, every year is going to be different with the underage leagues. Some teams will be stronger than others, and that's you know that'll swing in roundabouts. So, um, you know, it's hard it's hard to know how it's going to pan out. But I expect all the teams are going to be very very competitive. Uh, it's a very good pool of players, young players around the country now. So. I, I just think it's great for, for the league itself. And in terms of your own expectations for the team, for yourself, for the season ahead, what are the goals within your own camp? I think if you ask the girls, it's always they want to win trophies. Um, and it's it's very hard to tell them that, you know, that's that's not what they should be aiming for. Everybody likes winning. Um, but for me, just to, you know, progress those players on now and get them stepped up into the first team and strengthen the first team squad and, you know, just just be part of that pathway. Obviously, the 17s are there. There's a lot of parent clubs now around the area coming through from under 16 level. So, the the pathway at the club is is phenomenal, and it can it can only you know help the club progress. Yeah, what you're doing off the pitch as well in terms of selling jerseys and kind of promoting that and creating that community feel. Even if it's just a social media facade, um, it's it really draws you into the club, and and you you seem to do the social media end of things quite well up there in UCD or. Belfield or DL or whatever, whatever the moniker is this particular season. Uh, Laura, listen, I, I know with you at the helm, it's going to be a, a successful season for DL or whatever that looks like and uh, whatever the goals you're looking to set for yourselves and the very best of luck for you for the season. And uh, hopefully we'll find out a bit more information on the under 19 league uh, relatively soon. And we, once we have that, we will bring it to uh, the viewers and the listeners here on the final whistle podcast for the women's national league. Laura, thanks for joining me. Uh, the best of luck for the season. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much. And so that, of course, leaves us just with the fixtures of the coming weekend to look at. Uh, Treaty United, they have a break, which is probably well-deserved after their exploits against 
Shells and Peamount in recent weeks. They'll enjoy their week off. But all of the other eight teams in action starting on Saturday afternoon. Shells versus Galway Women's FC. Piedmont versus Cork, Wexford Youths host Bohemians, while DLR make the trip to Athlone. Uh, we might start with, uh, with Shells and Galway, your own uh, former side. Um, it's a big ask for Galway to go to Shells, talk a park. It's intimidating at the best of times. Uh, can they take anything back to Galway with them? Massive task, uh, like you said there, but of course, I think uh, you know we had a good win away to Shells a few years ago now at this stage, but Galway will go there, um, you know, knowing or hoping they can get a, a result. And I think they'll the week off will have done them well, good last week, um, to regroup and try, you know, put things in place. And you know, hopefully they can um, manage to get get a result against Shells. I think it's interesting this week. The top three are all at home, so uh, Galway along with Cork and Bowes will have really difficult tasks. I think. Yeah, and of course, Rachel Kearns, Player of the Month for. It's in March slash April, uh, first player of the month of the season. She was announced uh, today as we're recording this, yesterday as people are listening to it. Uh, they'll be, I suppose, she's, she's missing. She's, she's picked up an injury on her ankle, so she might miss a game or two. She's already missed a couple. Um, big loss. Can uh, can go and find the back of the net without her? I think it is a massive loss. I mean, um, with the, I suppose she's been missing for a game and a half and Oh, I've lost that game and a half, I think 6 0. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it is a big task, but I think, oh, you have, you know, they do have players that can come in and do a job as well. So, I think, although she did provide, you know, most of the goals obviously this season, I think they'll have, you know, like that, they'll have known in advance of the game that she'll be out, uh, unfortunately. But I think the player is ready to step in as well and, um, you know, make an impact and, hopefully then, you know, contribute more um, putting the ball in the back of the net um, because they've been doing, not to, with the last game aside, Galway's actually been quite solid defensively so far. Yeah, potentially be a very good game. I like the way both teams approach the, the just playing the game, so it should be good to watch for the neutrals at least, um, although you have to fancy shells to take all three points on offer. Cork City, they travelled to Green Oak, P-Mount in fine form, unbeaten so far, um, big score for the first time really last weekend. Um, could Cork be in for something similar, or will they have tightened up a little bit at the back and P-Mount have to go back to their, their first string to try and, and break through? I think Cork will obviously they'll have watched the game that um, he might have played last week against Athlone and maybe try to see how they can manage the game better and you know be more solid defensively than Athlone were in the second half and I think Cork like we've already mentioned they do have quality players and I think they you know they should be able to deal with P-Man's threat to an extent and I think you know they they are quite good normally at game management as well so They'll be looking to, you know, given their their place in the table, I think a draw would be a massive uh, result for Cork. Uh, were they to get it up in P-Mount, it would be a big, big upset. But like we previously said, it seems like P-Mount are kind of finding their flow now. And like you said, with their, their so-called second uh, string out for the last few weeks, um, those second string players now are really pushing to be first string players. So I think... You know, it's it's all going well for P-Mount and um, I would imagine that it would be similar again this weekend coming. I couldn't see much past um, a P-Mount win. Yeah, now I say second string. One of that second string, so to speak, has over 100 caps for Ireland. So it's not exactly a second string side given the strength in the P-Mount United uh, 
squad overall. Uh, third game of the weekend, Wexford Youths and Bows. For me, this is the game I'm looking forward to the most. I think, again, more than the DLR Bows game last week, it's the one where it's probably the, the most level matched. Um, and interesting to see how that's going to work out. I think Bows have started well. I know they've kind of fallen away in recent weeks, but I think this is an opportunity for them to really show that they have made a bit of progress. Um, the fact that they're even remotely competitive in this fixture, given where the clubs finished last season, uh, Bows at the bottom of the table, is still a credit to the work that's gone on uh, with the, the club up there in the Oscar Trainer Centre. I think Bows definitely, they've improved a lot since last year and they really have put in very good performances, uh, quite similar to Cork in a way in that I don't think their league table um, would reflect that. And, you know, last week they'll have gotten a lot of confidence, uh, although not with the result, but with the performance against DLR, you know, I think they'll approach it in quite a similar manner in that they'll try to stay compact against who the Wexford team, who we all know is a really um, dominant force, particularly uh, going forward. And, think you know if they can manage to hold out um you know and try stay in the game for as long as possible who knows what might happen from a boat's point of view but ferry carry park is a very difficult place to go and get a result and you know um Bose will be well aware of that as well yeah final game of the weekend at lone town versus dl dl or waves at lone have impressed in in flashes over the last couple of weeks defensively they've been fairly solid i know i'm saying that after they shipped six goals at the weekend but i think they kept wexford scoreless for 80 minutes they've they've put up a really solid performance in recent weeks against much higher ranked teams and kept them out for longer than probably people expected them to if they can get that attack in third working in any way shape or form um, because they have players that can find the back of the night when they get opportunities could dlr be in for a tough night uh, physically as well as uh, in terms of the actual football on, on the, the night? I think so. Um, you know, at Lone are a very determined team and like that, you know, they're not afraid to kind of make the other team know that they're there as well. And like you just said, uh, they have been good solidly uh, defensively in patches and games, but not obviously for 90 minutes just yet. And I think they can take um, positives from like last weekend, only keeping you know, the first 45, 50 minutes, keeping PM to only 1-0 you know, they're going to try to see, okay, can they do this it's quite similar against um, DLR, but for a longer time. And like I said, then it's obviously all about them trying to see, can they push on and, you know, get a goal at the other end. Absolutely. Well, all will be revealed over the weekend. Of course, you can catch up on all of these games and watch them live on LOITV.io. I almost said watch LOI. It's a little bit confusing. It's LOITV. All the games are free. You just need to join the site think you need to put in credit card details i'm sure you all know this by now uh, if you've been following the league but you can follow all of the action and we would encourage you to do so Maeve, thank you so much for joining me again um i'm sure it won't be that long before we see you again on the show and uh, enjoy your week and we might catch up with you again soon thanks very much talk to you soon thanks a million talk to you all next week